Welcome to the Preservation Technology Podcast, the show that brings you the people and projects that are advancing the future of America's heritage. I'm Kevin Ammons with the National Park Service's National Center for Preservation Technology and Training. Today we join NCPTT's Derek Lynn as he speaks with Dr. Diana Greenlee, adjunct assistant professor at the University of Louisiana at Monroe and station archaeologist at the Poverty Point National Monument. NCPTT awarded ULM a grant for a research project that uses dendrogeomorphology to investigate earthwork stability at Poverty Point. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Dr. Greenlee. It's great to be with you here at Poverty Point today. How long have you been involved in archaeology here and how does your role at the University of Louisiana at Monroe relate to your work and research here at Poverty Point? I've been at Poverty Point for five years now. Um, As the station archaeologist, even though I'm employed by ULM, I'm actually stationed here at the site and my job has to do with archaeological research and management here at the site. So, Dr. Greenlee, I know that Poverty Point is an earthworks landscape recognized both as a Louisiana State Historic Site and a National Monument. And recently you mentioned earlier today that you've been involved uh, with the nomination process for this site to the UNESCO World Heritage Sites list. Could you introduce me a little bit and the listener to this special place and also share a little bit about the significance of Poverty Point? Okay. Well, Poverty Point is a very large archaeological site. dates from about 3,700 to 3,100 years ago during what we would call the late archaic period. Um, It's a huge, it's a monumental earthwork site. There are four mounds and six uh, earthen concentric ridges and a large flat plaza that all date to this time period. It's a created landscape of mounds and and ridges. Um, What is so significant about Poverty Point is that it was constructed by hunter-gatherers. At the time that archaeologists first started working here, they didn't believe that hunters and gatherers could carry out the work to build a monumental landscape like this. They, the existing model was that hunter-gatherers were, you know, barely making it from day to day, that they didn't have the time or the energy to develop complex constructions like mound building and stuff like that. So Poverty Point really changed the way that archaeologists and anthropologists looked at hunter-gatherers and what they could do. One other really interesting thing about Poverty Point is that literally tons of rock and other, you know, tons of stone was was brought here from throughout much of eastern North America. We get uh, steatite from Georgia and chert from Ohio and the vaculite from Arkansas. Mm -hmm. There's a large network where a lot of raw material was brought here to make tools and other items. And those, those materials may have been traded within this general area here or back in those original locations for those items? They were, they were redistributed among related sites okay. around here. One of the interesting things is that when we go to those other places, we don't find things that say that 
that indicate, you know, that the, that that stuff was from Poverty Point. So we don't know what the exchange mechanism was, whether it really was trade of this for that or or what. Um, you know, it could have been things that don't preserve, like fish or hides or something like that. But we just don't know yet. Well, NCPTT recently awarded a grant to the University of Louisiana at Monroe to investigate earthwork stability at Poverty Point State Historic Site. And I was just wondering briefly if you could tell me what prompted your interest in this project and and some of the things that you hope to learn from, from this study. Okay. Well, the mounds here at Poverty Point were covered with trees and they were an aging stand of trees. No young growth had been allowed to, to live and grow. And so the trees were all mature 60 to 100, even up to, say, 130 years old. And they were beginning to die, and they were falling over when we get a good windstorm. And when that happens, and they bring up a root ball that that's coated with dirt, they've disturbed the archaeological resource. And in the case of mounds where there's a maybe a steep slope, it can start an erosional sore that is hard to stop, hard to control. And so uh, working with state parks here, we um, decided that maybe it was time to remove all the trees from the mounds to, to have, them, have them cut down so we didn't have that potential source of damage. Mm -hmm. And when we were doing our research about that to help us decide if this is the way we should go, what we found is that the existing literature said mounds can be stable under grass and they can be stable under trees if you don't let them get too big mm -hmm. and that that transforming your your ground cover from one from trees to grass or vice versa can be a very risky thing but there wasn't any any real data to show us how risky it is and what the you know really what could happen and so as we decided to go ahead and do this project, I thought that it, this was a good opportunity to collect that kind of information so that somebody else down the line who's trying to make this decision about what they could do, what they should do, that they could look at our, look at our data and see whether it's the right step for them or not. I know that dendrogeomorphology is a big part of the project, and I recognized uh, Dr. Staley's name. I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about his role in the methodology or process of, of this research. Okay. Yeah, so uh, he is playing a, a pretty important role. One of the things we wanted to do was to try to contrast what kind of erosion happened in the past under this treed regime versus the erosion that's happening as we make that transition. What can happen you know, from, from here on out once it's under stable grassland. And so what Dr. Staley is doing is looking, helping us to look at how much erosion happened over the life of the trees. So he's looking at, example, one, one thing he's looking at are the roots that have become exposed due to erosion. And he can identify, you know, how long ago that happened of changes in the anatomy of the wood cells of the roots when they're exposed to oxygen. So he can, we can see when, during the lives of these trees, when those roots became exposed. 
Um, and we can see whether erosion, whether it was a big episode of erosion or whether it was a slow, gradual process. And so he's just helping us to understand how erosion has been over the past 80 to 100 years. You said he has, as of this year, he has taken a few samples thus far, um, but he still has uh, some more to, to collect and, and study. That's correct, yeah. He made one, one trip down to collect some samples and then he'll be back. Uh, Dr. Greenlee, how, how do you expect this research to build upon or, or even differ from the currently available earthworks management uh, recommendations or standards? Well, I think we're going to build on, on the, the current literature just because, you know, it's one more situation where we've taken an earthwork and we've, you know, altered the ground cover. In this case, it's going to be different because we're trying to quantify what the impact of that change will be and to try to help us assess, did we make the right move or not, which I think we did. And do you think your findings here can be applicable to, to other, perhaps, earthwork sites as well? I would hope so. I would hope yeah. that we would, will provide you know, a product that will be useful to other people. We sure wish we would have had this information yeah, when we were... That. Okay, well, I just have one more kind of general question for you. I was just wondering what you're most excited about with uh, the future of, of Poverty Point and, and also with your role here at the Station Archaeology Program. Well, you know, over the next couple of years, I'm going to be working on our nomination to the World Heritage List. And so I'm pretty excited about that. Or better be, it's going to be a lot of work. And so... You know, really, I sort of have to have tunnel vision till we get that, get through with that. But I hope, you know, that Poverty Point becomes a World Heritage Site and uh, that we can continue to learn more about the landscape here. I wish you the best with your research. And Dr. Greenlee, thanks so much for taking time to, to speak with us today here at Poverty Point. Thank you. That was Derek Lynn interviewing Diana Greenlee. You can find a full transcript of the interview and related links at the NCPTT website. That's ncptt.nps.gov. Until next time, goodbye, everybody.